comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Gone Girl. I think that's like my new favorite hit song. Gone Girl? Yeah. How's it going? It goes, Gone. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, aloha! I like how I say always, but you're you're clearly not... All, like, I literally just well, did a podcast where you're not here, so it's clearly not always... I mean, those are special <laughs> ones. Those are special bonus ones. So that's a good way to put it. The regular shows, I mean, like, I haven't, I haven't missed a regular show in, like, a year. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, Out Now is a film podcast. Abe and I are discussing new movies weekly. We also cover various movie topics, then dive into a mostly spoiler-free review before jumping back into other main movie topics. Yeah, I said that. This is episode 166, 166. That's, that's pretty high. I mean, I was going to say that that's like 600 off. Well, no. That's one more than 165. There that you is see. very that's, true. That's what I need. I don't need Abe's nonsense, but that will <laughs> And this week we're talking about Gone Girl, the new film from director David Fincher. And joining us today we have from VeryAware.com, he's got the looks of someone who I could maybe trust someday. It's Peter Perez. Hello, hello. And from Just Seen It and responsible for some excellent boom operating work on the upcoming film Bread and Butter, it's Aaron Fink. Oh, wow, that was so nice. Hi, hello. I, I saw I saw Bread and Butter pretty Ooh, recently. The film from a uh, friend of the show, Liz Manishill, who she, she directed it and co-wrote it with her boyfriend, Sean Wright. And uh, got to say, that's a movie I watched. Uh, I'm not going to go into it right now. I want to save that for another podcast. Yeah. But you did some fancy boom operating. I didn't see it once. Oh, no, yeah. I, did you see him? Yeah. I was very careful not to do it. You know, I actually music edited that as well. Wow. I didn't want to credit that. I like the boom operating. I know. It's more, it's boom operating is sexier than being a music editor. Speaking of sex, you're happy to have Peter back on this show. <laughs> Just my voice alone. There it is. <laughs> I was told the other I mean, day that I have a phone sex voice. I don't know what that means, but I'll take it. Well, we'll wait for Well, we'll people should email in. What we're going to do is <laughs> we're going to like different true. parts of the podcast so you say something sexual. Yeah, I mean, I could do that, too. Hey, what are you wearing? It'll be like David Fincher's Fight Club. We'll just splice in, you know, random bits of porn every now and then. Yeah. His name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> so let's move into some show notes, some announcement stuff first before we get underway. Um, let's see, new commentary coming soon. Uh, this, Given that we're already doing several horror bonus episodes this month, this commentary is not going to be specifically horror-focused, but it is going to have feature... Uh, friends of the show, Brandon Peters and Jim Dietz. Jim Dietz in particular for a very special reason, but we'll get to that when that commentary comes out. I'll just tease it along. I'll just say Carpenter. I'll just say that. No. <laughs> so that's the way to tease it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna review the Carpenters. We're gonna the, review the Carpenters. The biopic. Yeah, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Carpenters on film. Actually, we're gonna start uh, with Jesus and move up from there. I was just gonna, gonna say, you're gonna talk about Jesus. We're gonna talk about JC himself, Jim Caviezel. It's gonna yeah, be great. Jim Caviezel. Uh, <laughs> and I did mention the horror bonuses. Those are currently going out. Um, this this was the first Friday of October this past week, um, which means that we already had our first horror bonus episode where we talked about the early years of horror. It was a lot of fun to do, and we just I literally just recorded the second episode of that with uh, 
with uh, friend of the show Brandon once again, as well as Joe Blows, Jimmy O, and and uh, Jason Coleman from Star Pulse. Um, and yeah, we're just going to be having a new horror bonus coming out every Friday of the month, which should be a lot of fun. And speaking of all this ties together, because speaking of that, we have a contest. Um, I have a new contest out here. Oh, boy. Um, in honor of the month of October and the fact that we're doing horror episodes, if you want to email us at gm- outnowpodcast at gmail.com or put on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, a list of your favorite horror movie from each decade. Uh, so from like the 20s onward, if you if you have a movie from 20s through now, a horror movie from each decade, you put that into an email or in like a message on Facebook. Uh, we're going to put everyone that enters into a raffle. And I have a stack of Blu-rays that are horror-focused, horror-themed in some way, horror movies uh, that I'm going to send to the winner. So that's uh, that's going on now. That'll go on through the, throughout the month of October. So you have plenty of time to enter this contest. I can't segue into the next thing as easily as that. So that, that's about as good as I can do. So I'll just go right into it. Uh, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. Helps <laughs> out our show. Helps other people find the show. Just makes us feel good. We got a new, we got a couple new uh, reviews actually. Oh, we got one last week that I read, and we got another one. I don't have it up right now, so I can't read it offhand. But you know, it's it helps out the show, it makes us feel great about doing it. So type of period, leave it there. We'll we'll laugh. You'll laugh. And we'll have a good time. <laughs> okay. So yeah, let's uh let's let's get into the show now, guys. Let's do this. Let's uh let's do a little know everybody. Reach who we ask each other, or Abe and I ask everyone, uh, kind of a, a question to kind of set the tone for the podcast and uh, better get to. No, everybody. It's pretty good. TM. That is pretty good. <laughs> Not yet. TM. We'll get there. Not yet. We're working on it. I, the, you know, the do, I, are I, working in, on in it. my notes, I do have a TM next to everybody as well. So yeah, I'll allow it. TM. Yeah. <laughs> Judges, I'm looking over yeah, yeah. to my left right now. Your your little cat clock where the eyes move while the tail wags that it's winking. Back yes to the at future you. style. Yeah. Back yeah. To, it's it's a, it's nodding in approval. So yeah, I guess the judges are in. <laughs> That was, a, that was a deep time. reach I went there to get the description of that clock. It's uh, pretty good, though. Now people know what we're talking about. Abe, hey, you want to start this one off? Yes. So this one's kind of more of a general, like, outside of the movie kind of thing. But Scoot McNary has a cameo appearance in this film. Um, is there a character actor that you guys really enjoy seeing and think that they should deserve more work? Hmm. I mean, Scoot, he's doing pretty well. He's, he's been in a few movies. But yeah, he's doing everything. I've seen, I've yeah. seen him all over the place. He's right. He's in my room right now. It's crazy. Oh, um, hey, Scoot! <laughs> all right I, I don't know what that was but i'll i'll, I'll go with it hey, what up scoot um, would you say character actor does that mean they have to have been a veteran actor of like decades or like oh more of just um no i mean someone like, like like steve buscemi in the 90s was a character actor <laughs> that was steve buscemi doesn't matter uh or like william h macy in the 90s those are like but they've like they've they've exceeded the lengths of character acting just become just great leading actors Right, that's true. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of so not necessarily like multi, you know many decades of, of of work behind them, but just guys that you know to be like kind of like, hey, this guy's here. I may not know his name. I, hey, my answer is obviously William Fickner. That's always my answer for this kind of question. That's friend of the show, bad. first friend of the show, William Fickner, huh? Yeah. I um, like that. You know, there's so many. I, I mean, like John C. McGinley is good. Yeah. Um, a great answer. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, even Keith David's kind of a character actor in oh, yeah, his own sure. way. Yeah. I mean, he plays he plays a character. He plays you know stern, generally leader type person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And listen, you um, just come back on TV. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he does. Uh, David Morse is always really good. Oh, David Morse. Yeah. Peter Stormare is great. Very. I mean, he's always he's always Russian. He's but, always playing a Russian, exactly. Or Eastern European. <laughs> a drunk Russian. 
<laughs> Performing surgery of some kind. Yes. I mean, you could. This is this could just go on forever. This There's so fun. many good ones. Well, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if this counts, but recently, uh, and I, I haven't seen her movie that she stars in, but um, I think her name is Jenny Slate. She seems to be, yeah. yeah. She mm-hmm. seems to be in a lot of like smaller SNLs. Yeah, in things. So I really like her. That's a good answer, though. Yeah, especially because it's a known actress. We don't we don't name nearly enough character actresses. But I used to I used to put um. Before she, you know, before House of Cards got her all big, I mean, Robert, Robin Wright, I would consider like a strong character actress for a while there. Speaking of House of Cards, why does that poor Indian actress always play Hispanic people? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I was watching Sleepy Hollow this week. She's on yeah. there now. She's like, yeah. she's, she's, she's Sheriff Reyes. <laughs> I'm like, come on. you. We know she's Indian. Don't do that. That's not cool. Same with like Cliff Curtis, who's like from New Zealand, but he plays, yeah, he's, 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 he's always playing Mexican. He's always, like, like, he's always like Mexican Latino gang leader. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Whenever when I watched Training, I was like, "Dude, this guy is a really scary Mexican actor." I was like, "Wait, what?" He's, Wh- he's whale really... riders, Cliff Curtis. <laughs> exactly. All right, I'll go now. I got my question here. Um, uh, where would you find something? Where would you find? Where would you hide something if you didn't want it to be found? Where were we talking digital stuff or the real world? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say probably, I'll say the real world. Yes. I probably can't say there. because this is a family show. <laughs> but I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with well, no, it, it's a planet. How about uh, that? I would say I would say uh, I'm a Lyft driver uh, recently. I've certainly become a Lyft driver, and uh, I noticed that in my trunk, you open the trunk, <laughs> and then there's that like kind of facade, and then you pull that up, and then that's where the spare tire is. Yeah. I have a lot of extra room down there, so I've been able to put like you know I don't know like things or whatever so or whatever I, drugs you, you know body not, parts I, not the drugs not the bricks you yeah. can find peter paris cruising around the streets of hollywood on weekdays from nine to i don't know <laughs> <laughs> feel free to root around in his trunk exactly he's a real nightcrawler someone call him um oh that is pretty true oh you know what wait you know what well i'll because you guys would know better go. yeah i'm sorry I, I just realized who i really like as a i guess he's a character actor um, the guy who is in Lord of the Rings, what is he, Wormtongue? Oh, oh Brad yeah. Dourif. Yeah. That oh, guy, yeah, Chucky. Yeah, that guy scares Chucky, me. Right? That guy's yeah. great. Yeah, like yeah that guy is great. He's great in X-Files. He's great in X-Files. <laughs> yeah, he was good in X-Files. So there there would be more of a traditional veteran one. Yeah, yeah Brad Dourif. That's a great answer. Yeah. I That's like great. that. Cool. I think we've uh, sufficiently gotten to... No, everybody. That was pretty good. <laughs> we're doing it really slow this we're week. Like, we're, yeah, we're going slower each week, which we don't have to do. <laughs> no, we don't at all. We could speed it up in editing, right? Let's do it again. No, everybody. No, everybody. All right. Uh... Let's move on now. Let's get down to quickies. TM. TM. Each week on Out Now, we talk about one main movie of the week, but we also have other movies that we see during the week. That's how I was sipping called Out Now Quickies. TM. All right. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I haven't, but I started watching Breaking Bad again, season five. I'm on episode three, I want to say. So Basically, did you like? Did you stop? Was that? What it was? Yeah, I had a I had a, a stopping point because there were I was binge watching and and everything was just kind of running together in terms of all the characters and uh, whatever else. So I was also getting tired of a few characters. I'm sure that I tweeted that on my often used Twitter account, Walrus Moose. Did you just <laughs> start like? The other day, or have you been watching? Started like a no, while. I've been watching for a while, but I I stopped at season five because um, again, a lot of these characters were starting to annoy me, and some of the motivations were kind of lame. But now I'm back, so from outer well, space. Yeah, <laughs> space. This is part of why I don't like binge watching things because I don't want to get like sick of something. It's like I'll just you know, 
watch one episode at a time. Yeah. I usually don't get sick of things when I binge watch them. I mean, yeah, no, I, don't, I can't really ever think of a time where I was like, ugh, I'm tired of the show. I mean, when I binge watch Breaking Bad for the first time, like, just to catch up, I certainly felt crappy <laughs> for a few days, but <laughs> I don't think it was because I was tired of the show. It's just like, oh, I want God. you to go and binge watch Full House and talk <laughs> afterwards. Oh, I do do that. <laughs> you got uh, it, dude. I've, I've been watching several episodes of The Critic every night before I go to bed. Nice. That's always fun. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, I I feel like um, strangely, uh, we we just brought up Sleepy Hollow. I I missed Sleepy Hollow the first the first season, so I binge watched it, and it's only like it's only 12, like twelve episodes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, it was really good. Yeah, yeah it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait for season two. And actually, watching it as, as just an episode at a time, not quite as compelling. Like, so actually, I guess I'd be the opposite, where binge watching, assuming I like the show, works and. I don't know, watching Sleepy uh, Hollow these last two weeks, I'm kind of like, meh, doesn't have the same feeling. I don't know why. Because you're but, waiting? Yeah, I guess. Well, I think it's I mean, it's that hard go from watching everything at once to now watching it week by week. I think that has a yeah, that probably impact too. there. That's yeah. it, because I, I, I mean, I host a podcast about Sleepy Hollow, so I mean, it's... it's um, <laughs> and I don't clear, care, clearly I'm I don't a fan care of the that show. much about Katrina, but, you know, that's that's a podcast for Yeah, no, no one really cares about Katrina that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's we're, nice we're, to we're look way at. way off topic here. <laughs> Samsonite, um, we're way off. We're way off. Speaking of that, Aaron, what other movies have you? What movie have you seen during this week? Also, um, give us one. I know you see a lot. Yeah, well, no, I think I only saw two. I saw Gone Girl and I saw Whiplash. You saw Whiplash? Whiplash. I did. Yeah. What did Whiplash you like? What did you think of Whiplash? I thought Whiplash was wonderful. Whiplash. I I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I feel like I'm gonna have to save this for another because I don't want to go into my thoughts before Abe sees it because I feel yes, like yes, I know that'll I'm... be a whole episode into itself, I believe. But yeah, I, I, I so say too. that Whiplash is a movie that should be seen by people. Whiplash. Yes, indeed. Peter, have you seen any other movie this week? Uh yes, I uh I saw Annabelle. Good. That's the one I wanted you to talk about. <laughs> Good. Yeah, you you hated it way more than I did, but no. I did not like it. Like uh, I didn't I did not give it a passing grade, but it seems like everyone hated it. Like it was the worst thing ever. And so now, now I didn't hate it because hate's a strong word, and I don't have time to feel that way about movies. But I did. I certainly think it's it's kind of terrible. You don't have but... time to. How <laughs> do don't play that? Well, it's different. I mean, because it's. It's the epitome of like movies that are just you don't care for at all. Like there's no reason to. It seems yeah. like it's it's made because The Conjuring made money and this was a thing in that. So here's a prequel spin-off thing to it. And but you know what I did like stuff. about it and Sean Sean brought this up from the show. He said that at the very least, you know, now we're getting back to horror movies where people are trying, you know, filmmakers are trying to scare audiences without gore and stupid crap like that. It's like real you know, old school kind of horror. It's real, scares. man. It's real. There's plenty. There's ah, that makes no little sense to me. I mean, well, know, there's the, plenty of older horror movies that utilize gore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but this movie is a movie that uses yeah. just the constant bumps and door slamming and just all the every cliche possible. Right, and but just you know, like constantly. the two thousands were like the Saw generation. And uh, you know, I would say Oculus, and I really liked it. That's not really that gory. It's not. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like this oh, okay. generation, like the last few years, you know, we've we've kind of with the Conjuring and Insidious and all that. Like we've gotten back better movies. To that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Better that than Saw Six is what I'm saying. You chose the wrong one. Interestingly, a friend of mine. Why is that the good one? That's Who what? are you to tell him? What well, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of the Saw series, but Saw Six is that's one of the kind of higher end ones. <laughs> Saw Seven. That's different. 
forgot that there are seven of them. That's the, that's the 3D one. I'm thinking so, of rewatching the Saw movies because I missed, I think, two of them. Binge so watching think, them? Yeah, exactly. Binge watch. A friend of mine who never who hated Saw, uh, he bought the Blu-ray because it was like 20 bucks. He's like, all right, fine, I'll give it another chance. And he says that while he says they're really dumb, he's, he's, he's surprised at how entertaining they are. So I'm like, huh. So I might actually watch them this week. It's funny because I don't accuse them being dumb. I feel accuse them of being too trying to be too clever because they like try to wrap the same plot around basically like the same like couple weeks within each Well, actually, I think that's kind of what he means. I think he also means that it's that it, that the character of Jigsaw is so pretentious that... Yes, I agree with that completely because I don't like the Saw movies, any of them. So it's... So, uh, yeah. For for that reason, really, because <laughs> that's a great way to put it. So Jigsaw is a pretentious character. That's good. Let's move on though. I saw the guest. Um, I saw that. Oh, that was good. Um, which is good. It's quite fantastic. Yes. It's really entertaining. It's a, it's a. I can't. I don't want to tell too much about it because I feel like it's best going in fresh, which is how I saw that movie. But I can say that it's from director Andrew, Adam Wingard and writer Simon Barrett, who previously brought us your next. Um, one of Mark Hoban's favorite movies of all time. I'm pretty sure he's not here to refute that. Um, but it's uh. <laughs> It's 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 still it's completely different from that movie to an extent. It's still kind of a a genre mashup, and it has a lot of dark comedy going on in it. But the guest is it's really good. Um, it's a sol- it's a solid thriller. That's that's all I really want to say about it. It's it's not playing nearly in enough theaters though, and I wish it would. It's like this is the kind of movie that you, you... VOD. It's not VOD. That's I mm. thought it was too initially, and it was. It's just it's just like only in a couple of theaters. So I, God, I just desperately wanted to play to more people. Uh, but really cool kind of a lot of retro throwback themes in there too to like kind of. 80s, 70s thriller stuff, but just a solid, solid movie. Yep, I agree. Alright. Oh, is that no quickies? Yeah. yeah. Let's move on now. Let's get to movie trailer talk where we discuss one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when they're coming out, what we thought of them, and what have you. And with that said, we're going to talk about Inherent Vice this week. This is the new film from director Paul Thomas Anderson, which stars Joaquin Phoenix and a lot of other people, and I can only hope Luis Guzman finally comes back to PTA as well. But we'll find out. I, I, didn't, I didn't check the cast fully, so I don't know. But with that said, I know it's based off a based off a novel. It looks to have a lot of neo noir sensibilities going on in there, along with a lot of stoner humor. It might seem. Yes, um, that's that's there. That's well, in the book too. Let's we'll start with you, Aaron. What did you think of the trailer for this film? Um, it, it looks really fun. I'm surprised. It kind of just it's so accessible looking for a PTA film. It kind of looks like it almost kind of looks like what would happen if you mixed a Paul Thomas Anderson film with Wes Anderson. Um, and that's that's kind of the vibe I'm getting, like a, just like a goofy, goofy sort of fun period, you know, comedy thriller thing. And the book is very interesting as well. Um, it's very, very Thomas Pynchon is very, very descriptive in his writing. He's got like paragraph long run on sentences that describe the surrounding area in which the action is taking place. It's kind of exhausting, but certainly leaves. PTA with a lot of options uh, in terms of how to adapt this book. So I'm excited about it. I've, I've been looking forward to it all year, actually, because I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, and it just kind of cemented my belief that it was going to be goofy and funny. Uh, and I and I think Joaquin, at first I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he's going to fit into this role, but he can be weird. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I think it looks like a whole heck of a lot of fun. Peter? Yeah, I think it looks a lot of fun. It looks like it reminds, even though I, of course, I mean, I love the master and there will be blood. Um, he has, he's become so serious and everything that this looks like it's more like his boogie nights, 
uh, and kind of Magnolia, which had some spots of humor, like kind of period. Uh, and I thought, I think Josh Brolin looks really funny. Yeah. But yeah, it just, you know what it is? I would say, I kind of, it's funny. I can kind of see the Wes Anderson connection now that you say it, but it's weird because my first reaction is that I feel like it looks really loose. Like, yeah. but what's weird, cause I don't really think of Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, I always think is very like, everything Tight, is yeah. very exacting, but the trailer, everything about it has a very loose feel. And I appreciate that the attractive woman, I don't know who that is. Like normally it's like, and it's, you know, and it's Jennifer Lawrence. I was like, I don't know who this person is. Like, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, it looks very much like a, you know, supposed to be, you know, top, top five of the year because of who's involved. So all the talent. Oh. I love Boogie Nights so much. It's like one of my favorite movies. Of oh, all me time. too. Yeah. So, Abe, this trailer looks amazing. It looks really funny. You guys have basically said everything I want to say. I just want to say that I laughed really hard during the sushi ordering scene yes. with Josh Brolin. I just want to throw something at the screen and be like, "Come on, Josh!" I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop in terms of the the guy, the Japanese bartender, to be like, "Dude, I speak English." <laughs> but at the same time this movie also looks it looks like it can get in some dark places and i'm curious to see where that would go put me on the edge of my seat there with all the laughs and i'm excited i'm i'm really happy aaron you brought up accessibility and i certainly agree with you i think it looks like his most accessible film since maybe boogie nights i mean magnolia like i i'm a big paul thomas anderson fan um but yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly understand not all of his movies, you know, seeming like ones that like everyone wants to race out to see. I can't say everyone wanted to go see The Master and it should have been a hundred billion dollar blockbuster because it's just a it's a weird movie. But yeah. this movie, it looks like it looks like a lot of fun. I'm sure it will have the kind of the things that PTA is good at doing in his films, and I'm excited to I'm excited to see that. But I'm excited to also see it just like be a movie by a you know a an auteur director that's gonna you know hopefully be very successful when it comes out. And um, like Gone Girl. Like Girl, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's <laughs> that is a good example. I mean, but um, I just want to add. I look at like PTA. You look at Boogie Nights, which is like it's like his Scorsese movie, and you look at like Punch Drunk Glove, and it's like his Capra movie, and you look at like There Will Be Blood, and that's like his Kubrick movie. This looks like an Altman movie from him. Like it, I just, I just yeah. love him seeing. I love seeing him do these take on these kind of these neat like homages to people that have clearly influenced like how he makes his films and whatnot. So it's a I'm excited for that reason as well, just because it feels like as much as like the master like excited me just because it was a new PTA film and it had, you know, Hoffman and what and Phoenix and Adams in there like it. And, you know, the trailers were really intriguing. This one just looks like it looks a lot more along with intriguing, just looks fun. And I'm happy to have fun with PTA again. I haven't had fun with him for, you know, a while, it seems beyond yeah. like. The over the over the top performance by Daniel Day Lewis and there will be blood. For instance, I mean, but. yeah, you didn't laugh in that movie. That the movie was hilarious. I mean, there's hilarious and there's fun. Like, and, I, and you and you get drained by watching There Will Be Blood and The Master. I didn't get I don't get drained by watching like Boogie Nights or Drain. Well, you kind of do actually. I'm elbow poking you right now. Uh huh. Get it because it's about pornography. Drain. Yeah. Drain. <laughs> Drink that milkshake, Aaron. <laughs> I'm drinking it. All right. So, <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks for that closer. <laughs> and Hair Advice, I believe, comes out early December in limited release and probably spreads wider from there. I think Christmas, it gets a wider release than January. I think it's like everywhere. So Yeah, Christ Mass. So we'll, yeah, JC, Jim Caviezel. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll get there. Uh, so let's move on now. Let's get to our main film review for Gone Girl. I will practice believing my husband loves me, but I could be wrong. 
Ever seen that guy in the glasses before? Amy is the kind of girl who attracts admirers. Whoever took her is bound to bring her back. I'm hoping you can tell me what this means. You want to solve Amy's treasure hunt? You seen this girl around here? Yeah, I remember her. I know you. I saw you at the volunteer center. I wanted to help. What'd she want? She wanted a gun. We are all scared that we are all here now. I feel like something to be jettisoned if necessary. I feel like I could disappear. So that should have been some of the trailer for Gone Girl. Uh, this is the new David Fincher film. It was directed another best-selling, uh, directed another film based off a best-selling novel. Uh, this time scripted by the same author, Gillian Flynn. Oh, um, it is a story surrounding the disappearance of a famed author in life to uh, Nick Dunn, played by Ben Affleck, who acts fairly indifferent towards the situation. The film has a lot of twists and turns with a lot more in its mind beyond just a simple mystery. I think that's an adequate enough way to say what I need to say about the basic plot synopsis of the film. But with that said, Peter, you've read the book, correct? Yes, I have. What did you think of the film and how it measured up? I thought that it was we were you know it's funny we were just talking about um, P.T. Anderson doing something funny when I walked out of Gone Girl I was like oh this is actually a lot funnier for David Fincher and, and I had read Fight Club and I and don't get me wrong Fight Club and Gone Girl as books they do have humor there is but I guess I feel like Fincher's filmed versions of both of those movies ramp up the kind of dark twisted humor even more in a way that I really like. Um, I, my biggest issue probably as a reader of the book is that I wasn't quite sure how the, the book is very much something you're supposed to, I know it's going to sound really obvious, but it's something you're supposed to read. You know how, like, sometimes you can read something and it's just like, oh, this feels like it jumps off the screen. Like it's a screenplay. Like mm -hmm. that's not gone girl. Really the way it is written is very integral to how the surprises work. Um, and so I was kind of like, well, I don't know how you do this as a movie because you can't do that because it's not like the audience is reading. And actually, I have to say, he, I thought Fincher did a pretty good job. Um, the only stuff that I feel like he couldn't really uh, fix or whatever is I still have some issue. Notoriously, a lot of people have issues with very much kind of like the last like 15 pages of the book. Um, and I kind of feel the same way about the movie. Not really sure. You know, Gillian Flynn supposedly wrote the screenplay too. So, I mean, I guess that's how she wants the story to end either way. So, but I, as a person who did like the book, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a, a pretty good uh, interpretation. Aaron? Um, I have not read the book. I loved it a lot. I, like you said, um, I, was surprised at how funny it was. I mean, I had no expectations. I just thought it was going to be straight thriller. And so sitting down and within 15 to 20 minutes, just like laughing at stuff, I was kind of surprised. And uh, I also read Fight Club. And, you know, I, I said the same exact thing when I reviewed it on Just Seen It Yesterday. Fincher likes to be dark and twisted and funny. And, you know, uh, I guess Jillian Flynn decided to add a little bit of media satire, or maybe it was Fincher, or both, um, and I appreciated all that stuff. I think not knowing anything about it, I was behind it the whole time. Once the, the big twist does occur, the whole film changes for the better. Um, you know, in, a, in my discussion, we talked about the fact that some of the acting could be construed as hollow and fake in the first little bit of the film, but I kind of chalk it up to the fact that the film wants you to wonder who it is that did this. And so maybe that's why people are kind of playing it a little too 
you know, like Ben Affleck in the in the beginning is kind of like, eh, my wife, I don't really care. And and that's because the film wants you to wonder if he did it or not, which is fine to me. Um, I didn't feel the length. I thought the style, the directorial style was great. The editing was great. I thought the score was great, except for a couple of spots where it was like a little too heavy handed and actually a little too loud in the film. Um, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it's one of my favorite movies this year just because it was a two and a half hour movie that I barely felt and that I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't expecting what I got out of it. And with all the movies that I've seen in my life, the thing that I've come to learn is that I, I like to watch things that don't always meet my expectations. You know, like they do something that subverts what I know to be the norm in filmmaking. And I think that this movie did that for sure. Abe? I largely had no expectations going to this movie. I didn't have any pre- preconceived notions and whatever else, aside from watching the first trailer. Um, and even watching that first trailer, I, was, I we had discussed it a few weeks back where we were saying there's got to be more than the story than just the straightforward Ben Affleck, you know, murder his wife kind of movie. And there is. And that's what I was really appreciative for, primarily because it takes you on this really awesome, weird, twisted, funny journey um, from one perspective to the other and, you know, from one storyline to another. And when I started watching the movie, I was paying super close attention to, like, the dates and everything else, and I was trying to solve the mystery. But they kind of uh, they kind of let the movie evolve itself and then it I'm so glad that it goes into a ton of other detail toward the uh, the end of the second act and into the third act um, because that's the kind of stuff that I was way more intrigued about and I was hoping that it didn't just cliffhang end me of like oh well that was a good movie but at the same time I kind of wish that there was a little bit more just to explain to me some other person's motives and whatever else. And it was really good. I also thought that there was this incredible scene where everyone just gasped in the theater. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. And this person is crazy. Yeah, she's fantastic. I didn't didn't say that, but Rosamund Pike is absolutely fantastic. She should get nominated because this is the first role that she's ever had that's a real leading woman role when she's like, she's on par with like other, I mean, I guess I can't talk about it very much except to say that she's fantastic. Yeah, I would agree with that, but yeah. I enjoyed this film a lot. I thought that there was a lot to think about afterward as well, which is a plus. And then, uh, do I want to read the source material? Maybe, but you know, we'll see. Abe, you meant you, Abe, you started writing reviews again on your blog. Yes. I did. <laughs> You mentioned in one of them that something shouldn't matter as much as getting a hair, but still enjoying the rest of the meal is something like something like to yeah. that picture. Um, I feel that way about the ending of this movie, where it's you know it's not as good as the rest of this thing, but the rest of this thing is so amazing that I like hardly care that like there's like one or two things that are like could have went differently, and I might have appreciated it a little more. Uh, I think I. I love this movie. I think it. I think it's just another fantastic effort from David Fincher, who's working at like his highest level to deliver on you know one of these kind of novels you find in an airport and read like it's it's like the material there's more depth to it than i'd imagine a lot of kind of trashy grocery store novels you find have such as the girl with the dragon tattoo for example but um this um it does feel like it's a very accessible type of book that is just made even better by the fact that Gillian Flynn is apparently a very good writer and David Fincher is just an awesome director and has an awesome team of people to work with him 
Um, something I really love about this movie, you guys have mentioned a lot of things that are already worth praising right there. So something I really liked about this movie relates to what I just talked about actually on the horror podcast. A Psycho is my favorite horror movie of all time. Something I like about that movie is that it takes like, it has like three different perspectives. It takes like three giant turns as you like go from one character to another. Um, this movie is like three movies and that's not dictating who is the star of these movies, but in terms of it's, it's a mystery it's a commentary on the media, and it's a commentary on marriage. And these are things that occur to me more and more while they're watching the movie, obviously, because I'm you know, seeing these things, but even after the movie, thinking about it more of like what it's really trying to say. And while on the surface, the mystery aspect of it is probably the most important one, I really appreciated the kind of slant it took against the media, uh, not against, but like observing the media, where you look yeah. at the way it uses that to like to go with it with Ben Affleck's character and how it portrays him just based off you know speculative evidence or what whatever you want to call it and it it mirrors real life you can see this happen like if this kind of situation presented itself you can see a person going kind of up and down in the news based off various bits of evidence and in, in the kind of the the Missy Pyle character raging against this person or raging for him for whatever it's just i found it all fascinating and then you have this commentary on marriage where I'm not that old, I'm not married, I don't you know, know how to look at that exactly. But at the same time, I certainly recognize that it's doing something in regards to how to address the, the concept of marriage. And I, just, I think all that's just really cool. I think this, this is like, for, for a movie like this that's you know, being seen by millions of people, or making millions of dollars, um, I, I'm very happy that a movie like this exists, where it's... It's not, you know, it's based off a popular novel, but it's not, you know, a remake or anything like that. It certainly has its influences, but it's just this very, very, very stylish, very well acted, very well developed adult thriller, and I'm just so happy about that. It's great. It's very self aware. For sure. Like yeah. About it. yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like the satire elements are pretty great. You know, it's like that's that that stuff happens in the media all the time. Right. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's one the stuff that you laugh at. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the best things about it too is just how frustrating it gets. Um, and this is kind of a uh, – it gets even more frustrating whenever they have to give him an interview, and the interviewee is like you know, one of those uh, – it's one of those political or you know news pundits, and they, they're like, well, the story was there. I had to report it. It's like, well, then you made them hate me. And it's like, yeah, well, that's what the evidence showed. And it's like, well, then you made them love me. It's like, you know, it's whatever happens. It's whatever gets the viewers. like, oh, my God, I want to like, slap this person and throw a drink at her or something. Let's talk about this cast more. Uh, yeah. We'll get to the stars, I guess, because I, I think it's a given that they're very good in this movie, Rosamund Pike in particular, I guess. But let's get to some of the other actors, because I think this movie is incredibly well cast overall. Uh, I've heard things about people thinking some people are miscast, but I just don't see it. I said, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry is great. Tyler Perry is really so good. good. And I he say this really as a person. Yeah. I, He's really so, good, yeah. So I haven't seen Tyler Perry movies. Like, I, I haven't seen any of them. And oh, I, save, you saved wait, wait, yourself no, you quite a terrible You've death. never seen a Tyler Perry movie? No, I've never seen a Tyler Perry movie. Me neither. Okay. I've seen wow. three of them. You're not missing I mean, anything. I, I'm aware that I'm not missing much. But you could just watch Diary of a Mad Black Woman, and you would know the rest of them are. He didn't direct that one, though, And it is the best Tyler Perry movie. It is a good show. one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard things about like uh, what's it the one with Taraji P. I don't want to go into this. Anyway. Regardless, <laughs> I I my my thought on Tyler Perry, I have no real, I have nothing against him because I've never seen him perform. Um, so which is similar to something like like Zac Efron, where I never saw those High School Musical movies, so I never really know what to. Th I just like I see these other movies that he's in, which are generally pretty good. I'm like, all right, yeah, he's he's a fine actor. I don't have nothing against him. Tyler Perry, I have that same kind of thing. I haven't seen him be bad in anything, mainly because Abe and I have yet to watch Alex Cross, so we don't know what we're crossing. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I see him in this movie, and he just plays, like, very confident, 
person in a cynical world, which seems to make perfect sense, that he's he's really good. He's really good in this movie. Like he's I thought great. he's great. Carrie Coon is great. Carrie I mean, Coon from HBO's The Leftover. She's like just like demanding that people give her more roles apparently because she's really good in this movie just as she is on that show. Like, wait, who, wait, who is that? She's uh Go. She's uh, his sister. Oh yeah, his, his oh, sister. Oh, she's yeah. terrific. She's yeah. really good. Yeah. So is Kim Dickens. Kim Oops. Dickens, I really like a lot. Yes. Is she kind of standoffish? Ivy League rubs people the wrong way. She's from New York. She's complicated. She's got very high standards. Type A. Well, that can make you crazy if you're not like that. You seem pretty laid back. Type B. Speaking of which, Amy's blood type. God, I don't know. I have to look it up at the house. You don't know if she has friends. You don't know what she does all day, and you don't know your wife's blood type. Sure, y'all are married. Yes. What's the actress's name? She's on Happy Endings. Casey uh, Wilson. Casey Wilson. Casey yeah, Wilson. She, she's yeah. the next door neighbor or whatever. She's good too. She's super annoying. Yeah, yeah. Which is appropriate. Which is, like, yeah, exactly. No, but, but it's also appropriate for her. Like, she's basically, uh, that's a suburban version of her from Happy Endings when she moves well, away from Chicago. Because on Happy Endings, I think she, I, I like her. She's not very likable in this, though. Um, no, but yeah, just very You just laugh at her. Yes, that's true. And there's a lot of characters there. Well, I mean, there's a mix, actually, of characters that are likable and are not. Because, like, um, Missy Pyle's obviously not likable at all. Or Neil Patrick Harris is is supposed to be creepy. You're not sure why exactly, but you're not supposed to trust him. I think that's the main takeaway. Wait, who's uh, Missy Pyle? Missy Pyle's the... Uh, the, na- the um, Nancy Grace the Nancy character. Nancy Grace character. <laughs> yeah, the news punch. Oh, she was great! Yeah, <laughs> really good. Yeah, she uh, was annoying. Um, and Scoot McNary! Scoot McNary has a small yeah. scene in yeah, there. Yeah, he's got a small Scoot. scene, and I was like... On the edge of my seat, I was like, "What is going on here?" But the uh, and yeah, Kim Dickens as the um as the detective, who's sure. basically like, if Silence of the Lambs wasn't focused on Clarice, that's yeah. what her role is here. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, basically, yeah. And she was great. She's great, and so is Patrick Fugit as her as her partner, who like mm-hmm. he doesn't speak much, but he gives these like looks to Affleck whenever he answers questions yeah. that are just hilarious. And, he like, grew up, yeah. I'm perfectly. glad that he stopped writing music reviews and. Went to go become a police officer. You can complete that almost famous thought. <laughs> <laughs> and he, is he honestly does have a like really one. good like facial expressions, especially like uh, toward the end there. Uh, I think I forget what was said, but he's like, "Can't you just be happy?" And it's like, uh, "Yeah, why don't you shut up, guy?" <laughs> You're saying about MPH? I'm saying that's a tough one. Like I, I liked him, and I respect that. You know, however he came to this film, it's a different role than anything he's ever done. I just don't know if I got what he was going for or what Fincher was going for. I I enjoyed him and I, I, I don't I don't know that I would say he was miscast. I guess he just his character could have been pushed in one way or the other in terms of like what you know, like you were saying, whether or not he actually is supposed to be creepy or not. I mean I I enjoyed seeing him and I think that what happens to him made it a more interesting performance. Um but I, I guess I, I was kinda hoping that there would be something more to his character. I think but isn't that kind of what the all like all the other characters in the film they all have some other side to them that you're not really sure about. Well, I think I think with the the MPH character, I think it's the it's the one that skews the most closely to what a trashy novel contains. Where I sure. think, or I think the rest of the film it it, it, it relies on characters that aren't necessarily like archetypes. I guess like I feel like Neil Patrick Harris is the closest to being a caricature of a certain type. While every other character has various nuances that make them more fleshed out, give or take some of the smaller roles, yeah, yeah. like Casey Wilson. That makes um, sense. I actually didn't think about it like that because there are a lot of moments in the movie that kind of feel trashy or like almost bad, you know. But yeah, like, but, but it's elevated of, by the the quality of the acting and you know yeah. David Fincher's 
command over the direction of the film. Well, I hope you don't mind me coming by. I got your address from this letter that you wrote my wife. Amy and I believe in the lost art of letter writing. I always wondered why you kept in touch after everything. You were together for two years in boarding school, right? She was my first serious girlfriend. Well, why did you break up? That's a strange question. Did you treat her bad? Did you cheat on her? That's a rude question. Let me tell you what Amy told me. She dumped you. You completely unraveled. You stalked her. You threatened her. And you attempted suicide in her bed and were institutionalized. Your wife is missing, and you came all this way to tell me this? Well, I thought there might be another side to this story. Right. I think when those moments happened, instead of thinking like, oh, that was bad, you're kind of like, oh, it's being meta. It's being self-aware. Like, it's being trashy on purpose to make you laugh at it because it's kind of subverting the genre. Yeah, and with MPH, I think it's the only... MPH, no Petra. I think Doogie. I think it's the only one where you can maybe, I guess... You you can see through the through the guise of what's being done in this movie in terms of its self awareness, like how far it's. Act, Peter, you've re- you, how do you like the character in the book compared to the? Well, movie? actually, he's one of the least interesting characters in the book. But you know, it's funny, you guys, the way you guys are talking about it now. It's weird. I I didn't really have a problem with Neil Patrick Harris, but I guess I, I feel like. Well, I guess I feel like this though. Like um, this this is going to sound like kind of a weird tangent to go from Gone Girl, but. In the second Harry Potter movie... Yes. Uh, <laughs> Go on. Uh, a lot of the same themes. Not Sorcerer's Stone. What is it called? Uh, Chamber, uh, or no, the, yeah, Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. Oh, sorry. Okay, so Gilderoy Lockhart in the book is pretty one-dimensional. It's like, oh, yeah. oh a, he's a vain, dark arts teacher. Is that the However, Kenneth Branagh character? Kenneth yeah, Branagh yeah, makes the character very fun. Like, he, he has a quality about it that, like, it's like, oh, that's kind of an inspired choice for what's essentially a pretty shallow character. I guess what's weird about Neil Patrick Harris is that, you know, I, I obviously I liked him on, um, I like him, uh, How I Met Your Mother. You know, How in Kumar movies and How I Met Your Mother. And I guess I feel like I don't think Neil Patrick Harris finds a way to elevate the character. I think he's like, well, that's pretty much exactly the way he is in the book. And I guess that's what's maybe kind of disappointing. I mean, if that makes sense. That's a fair way to look. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious from a book reader's perspective because I just, I don't know. Like, I, the. I I, could, I wouldn't say like Desi his character his it's not like my favorite character in the film but I just don't I don't see an issue with him and I think part of that comes from I never really have a problem like distinct like separating actors from like iconic roles they play so I think that I think that gets to some people where they see well, like only one person sure well, I, mean, certain actors. I mean I, I mean say- I didn't have a problem with him either I think that his role is justified primarily because it's a, it's a it's an ex boyfriend of Amy. And you're not really given that much information about him, despite the fact, or just aside from the fact that he was an ex-boyfriend that may have had some problems with her, causing her to have some uh, legal action taken. And that's it. I mean, I didn't really need to have this huge exposition about who this person is and what their motivations are. It, you kind of get the the sense of it when they uh, there's a later part in the movie with him in it. And he just is a pushover. He still is. And yeah. that's the worst part about it is just that you have all this uh, information about him but in reality he's just like he's just a lonely guy that really wants to get with uh, Amy. Yeah, no, you I mean when I watched it he was a little underwhelming but I, I I don't have a I didn't have a problem with him. I just kind of I guess that was the one place where I was expecting a little bit more. I don't know if it was because it was Neil Patrick Harris in that role playing that person or if it was just because like you mentioned Aaron all the other characters had some little 
weird quirk or nuance to them, and he was kind of straightforward in his wants and, and desires. And it ended up serving the film perfectly fine, like, you know... <laughs> in terms that, of its use in the story, yes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, when he comes into the story for, for real, you're like, oh, man, this is not going to end well for you. You know, and, and that's, <laughs> that's the point. I can say that... Because there's, you know, there's key scenes of all these characters, and his key scene that's going to be the most memorable of the scenes that he's featured. This is how you tiptoe around things. Um, <laughs> you you mentioned that there's there was an audible gasp or whatnot, which I assume probably had to do with one of those scenes. I would say that ours was less there and more towards a scene with Affleck where it wasn't a gasp, but it was a, a an a roaring applause following a certain news report that he was involved in, which made me, <laughs> made me very happy that our audience yeah. were like so into it. And I want to get to that now. I want to get to these kind of lead performances because we have Rosamund, Rosamund Pike, who, and it's so hard to kind of talk about this character because it's she has a, she has things to do in this movie, um, but she is very good. I'll just I guess we just leave it there for now. If we get into yeah, spoilers, I mean, we can go a little more into it. I mean, but I want to. It's basically there's there's a lot of time play in this movie, so you could describe. Yeah, because there's a lot of flashbacks, so you get a, yeah. you get a lot about this character. Uh, but Ben Affleck, I think he's terrific in this movie. And mm-hmm. um, I had I, I was I was talking to a number of people about this um, that I I think it's his best performance and I think some people are not looking at it that way because it mirrors a lot of things that have gone on in his own life not in specifics in terms of the plot but in terms of being a person that was both hated and then really well liked in the public eye there's a lot that Affleck can easily draw from because he yeah. went from like Oscar winner to actor in things like Geely or Paycheck <laughs> back to Oscar winner and now back to being weirdly hated because he's playing Batman of all things. Yeah. I mean, it's like, this, this, yeah. this movie made me think he'd be a great Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yes, I agree. I was yeah. like, it's so dark and brooding. Like, this is perfect. He was really good. It was probably one of his best, if not his best. No, and, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, it's, you think definitely, that he's... it's definitely one of his best roles. Like I, and in fact, I will say as a person who read the book, He's way more likable. In the book, he, the character, like, it, it, the beats are the same, but he's not quite as... You know in the movie he has those fits of anger? Yeah. yeah. In the book, you're kind of like, whoa, this guy's kind of an asshole and everything. And and actually, don't be wrong, he even admits he is kind of a bad guy. I mean, but, like, I don't know. Affleck brings something to it that... Uh, he brings something to it that, like, yeah, he's... I do think it's one of his best roles, and I, I kind of like him. I don't know, it's weird. And actually, to be fair, and I also kind of like Rosamund Pike, too. They're they're both playing the roles in a way that is, like, regardless of their actions, they're very engaging. In, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's true. I mean, one, I mean, for the most part, I was on Team Affleck from the get-go, right? I've always, I think, always, I think Affleck's a funny dude. I've always yeah, said No, that. but I've I mean, like, really, uh, yeah. in this film, I was like, okay, well, you know, this cannot be the entire plot of this story. This would be, this would be like, a two-minute movie. Um, but I was on Team Affleck, and I think one of the best things about it is... That you do start to realize why he's so aloof in this. You know, he knows Amy so well, and he like there are things that happen between uh, he and she in their marriage that he's just so tired of. Um, and that's where it, it all stems from. It's like if you think that he's aloof because, and I hate, like what you guys have brought up, the media portrays it in such a way, and it's such a bummer because if they knew like you know that he and Amy had marriage problems uh, or the extent of which they they've had problems, then you'd probably see why he's like yeah well i'm she she's gonna turn up don't don't worry about it and give like a, a stupid smile at a terrible time <laughs> it's the kind of thing where and i've talked about this before where i feel like being 
being purposely made to be frustrated in movies is one of my like favorite and least favorite things at the same time, which is why like creepy kid movies tend to get to me because there's always like the one person that knows that something's not right while everyone else doesn't believe them. So I'm like I'm fascinated by where the story's gonna yeah. go because I'm incredibly frustrated at nobody else understanding what's happening. So watching a movie like this where like even if I don't know whether or not Affleck's guilty of something the way he plays his character, I inherently like him for some reason. And so I'm watching, like, especially when it's, like, media going against him for things that are circumstantial or whatnot. So it's, like, I'm, I'm automatically on his side, so I'm easily frustrated by the fact that he's getting, like, such hatred thrown at his way for reasons that don't quite add up. So it's, like, I'm already, like, with this person, and that engages me with the story even more. It's just, I, I love that kind of thing. Aaron, you mentioned the pacing of the film and just kind of the editing. I mm-hmm. agree with you. I think it I, the movie flies by. Like it's it's a two and a, and I said I said that about Dragon Tattoo for, as well, where my biggest um, like positive I had on that was that it's a two hour and forty minute movie, and I like it just kind of flew by for me. And then it won an Oscar for editing, so I'm like, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. What did you? Guys... I know things about movies. <laughs> so wait, wait. So for you guys, did you? like this same more or less than what you just brought up his last adaptation of a pulpy book which was uh, dragon tattoo yeah because, i liked it more yeah. yeah because gone girl i think is a much better story i feel like dragon tattoo is just the mystery whereas this one is like three as i brought up three different things going on and they're all you know really well done and whatnot yeah i, I mean i still like dragon tattoo a lot yeah i like yeah I, not only did i know what the mystery what the the end of the mystery was but i saw the swedish version you know at least a year prior and so and once that's burned into your brain then yeah it's basically, in ways, a shot-for-shot remake for, like, yeah. at least half of it. So. It was a tricky scenario to play for people that are fans of that other movie, so or, you know, ones that have seen that other movie, because you already kind of know what to expect. It's just this time it's under the guise of... As opposed to the first film, which was made to in the style of a Fincher movie, you got the actual Fincher movie. So. Right. <laughs> and one of the problems with the with the remake, and Aaron, we brought this up on the podcast, was just name recognition. Yeah. It kind of yeah. hurt that, you know, you read the, the names that are popping up on the screen in the intro segment, and it's like... All right, like, one of these people has to be shady, and it kind of is. It, it kind of just drops the ball there. It's just like, like oh. the, the biggest star that's not one of the obvious heroes is clearly the bad guy. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's. I think it's interesting that like, um, you know, one of the only criticisms that I thought not necessarily, I mean, valid because it's. I mean, it's the source material is that I remember when Social Network, and I, and that's like one of my favorite movies of the decade. Uh, when Social Network came out. There were people that were kind of like, well, they're like, it's great, it's really good, but Aaron and Sorkin and David Fincher aren't necessarily um, writing great uh, women's roles. I mean, they're like, yeah, the Rooney Mara character is great for five minutes, but it's pretty much all guys. It's interesting because his last two movies now, Fincher has picked movies where you have these really interesting female characters, yeah. the Liz- the uh, Rooney Mari character, and now, of course, the Rosamund Pike, uh, M- Amazing Amy. I mean, they're very, like, strong, interesting female characters. This movie as a whole has a ton. I mean, it has it has Carrie Coon's character. It has Kim Dickens. It has, I mean, Casey Wilson. It has Missy Pike. It has, it's not just about, like, representing women properly. It's about just being like, hey, doesn't matter the gender. R- people do all kinds of things, and here's a just a plethora of, of actors well, you, regardless that does- I mean, that is bring up the thing, though. I mean, Gillian Flynn, who is a woman, mm-hmm. her she's written three books, and sometimes the criticism she criticism sorry that she gets is that um, if a man had written if it was a man writing these, people could claim that they're kind of misogynist. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a woman, so people are like, well, I guess not. But um, I don't. I think that's kind. Of, I think that's kind of cheap because I feel like 
Yeah, I thought it for a second while the I was watching it. Pretty like the the character that is in question is pretty engaging and interesting and stuff. To me, I tend to think of things that are like you know homophobic or or, or racist or stuff. It's usually that it feels like there's kind of a a contempt for the character and also like not an, not an attempt to really understand the character. And that's yeah, not, and that's, that's not here at, at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's, ex- I thought the same thing while I was watching it for a few minutes. I was like, you know, this could be construed because it just doesn't happen in mainstream uh, media very often or mainstream film or television where you have a female writer writing a female character like that. People just assume that female writers are always going to write, you know, empower you know women characters that are that are empowered and are you know flawed but not flawed in the way that rosamund pike's character is so i i thought that but then i was like you know what no it's cool like i i respect that she you know she's not like her her i guess i don't want to spoil too much but like her 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 (laughs) multifaceted character doesn't have to be a man you know what I mean? Right, and multifaceted is a loose uh, phrase for her character. I would say, as a guy, um, which I am, uh, there's, a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a speech that Amazing Amy gives in the book and in the, in, in the uh, movie. It's kind of like a little monologue thing that actually, as a guy, I thought was pretty revelatory. That I was like, wow, I never really thought of that before. That's That must suck for women. Like, I thought that was a really interesting... Again, I don't want to give too much away, but I think you guys know what sto- what speech I'm yeah. talking about. Oh. I never really thought of that. Like as I just assumed, I just assumed, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's really interesting," you know. So, um, but yeah, but uh, I mean, if anything, it's it's kind of weird because like the Ben Affleck character again, like I said, he's not really that. I don't know how engaging or inter- or compelling he is in the book. Um, but again, I think it might be more Affleck, just his performance. It's very because uh, it's it's pretty low key. Like aside from it is, like, it is a low key. Like, it, which I think is what gets kind of mixed up, mixed in with with like not acting necessarily. But I, I I mean he has to do it, and he does convey what he's supposed to convey really well. I think. Whereas um, like other roles, I would say of his that are like highlight his you know strength as an actor. I, I mean, I think he's fine in Argo. I think he's really good in the town, actually, regardless of the movie, which, which I think is very entertaining. But I think, I think his performance in the town, aside from the Nicholas Sparks ending, I think it, um, I think he does <laughs> a very good job in that movie. The Nicholas Sparks. Ending. Yeah, you know, giant. Don't, don't give Nicholas Sparks any more ideas, man. <laughs> giant, giant beard of the sunset ending. In the town. I, I, I will say that I feel like um, going back to kind of my Fight Club uh, comparison. You know, um, I, I, I think it's interesting that the last few years we've had a lot of really good movies about uh, relationships, be them good or good or bad relationships, but uh, movies like her uh, where it's kind of weird because like, I like them a lot, but what's interesting is they're not really movies about relationships as much as they are movies about one person's kind of idea of what the relationship is, uh, be it because it's a computer software and it's, you know, it's not real or, or probably going back to eternal sunshine and the spotless mind, which is, you know, about memory, and it's interesting because I feel like Fight Club, which is two guys, and this, which is a man and a woman, I do feel that they're very even. A lot of times I always kind of feel like when you're doing a relationship, it's kind of very skewed towards the one. It's just like, well, it's really this guy's point of view or whatever. And this, I was like, no, I mean, it really does feel pretty split. Like you really have these two two different personalities looking at, you're right, marriage and what marriage is for them and everything. And I really liked that. I, I really appreciated that. That reminds me of something I was meant to bring up way earlier. Abe, 
We've yeah. had a we've had a, a, a out now podcast season three running arc of seeing the movie about time, um, which, oh, which which you have done and now I, now I have finally done as well. Yes! Um, and I really like that movie, but I but that kind of fits right into what Peter just said, where it is focused more on the Domino Gleason character than it is the Rachel McAdams character. Oh right, because again, it's his point of view. Right, because in a way, she she's almost change. She she does or doesn't change basically on because of what he does in his flashback time things. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a good good comparison. You know, a movie that came out recently that as uh, another prime example of looking at different sides of a relationship. The, the disappearance, disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. Rigby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to see that. I'm actually going to see that tomorrow. Interesting. Are you seeing the them version or the him, her version? It's like four hours. Yeah. Him, OK, her. so you're seeing him, her. That's the best one to see. That's what I want yeah. to see. That's, that's a lot I've of been... movie, man. I was that's... like, oh, this is pretty big. That's yeah, I've, I've been. I watched both. Them <laughs> has been playing. Them's been in theaters around me and I've avoided it because I wanted to see the him, her version instead. So him, it's like... good. It's good. It, it's my, I, I liked it a lot better. I mean, I liked them a lot, but him, her just has more stuff in it. So you really get a, a fuller picture of these two characters. And the differences between their stories are actually very interesting. And yeah, I think I do think that is an apt way to put that for Gone Girl, uh, Peter. I do think it, you do get a good perspective on who these people are, let alone some of the outside ones. You don't necessarily get, you know, amazing depth on you know what what margaret what 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 Gary coon is all about but at the same time you certainly appreciate what these performances are adding to the strength of the film overall which is part of why i really like it i do think it's just so well-rounded um and just really entertaining like there's you know there's like a choice to every 20 minutes in this movie <laughs> like, there's mm-hmm. something going on and it's fun and funny and dark it's all the same like it it's bringing together a lot of what fincher's done in his past films all into like one mega movie yeah. or i didn't i wouldn't necessarily say it's his best movie or my favorite movie but it's certainly very much a David Fincher movie. And given that David Fincher is on the short list of my favorite directors working, I'm very happy that he's made another very good movie. <laughs> Interesting. Also, by the way, I'm not sure why, but you guys notice that the last three Fincher movies, uh, his credits, he uses this, he's using like the same font now. Is it, yeah. Like, yeah. Is, is he like Woody <laughs> Allen or something? Like, I'm like, what this? Like, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's brought, I mean, well, he's had, uh, Reznor and Ross on the last three movies as well. He's That's had, true, yeah. he's had a same edit. He's had he's had a lot of samesies going on in his last couple of movies. He's certainly samesies. I wouldn't say he's certainly I don't want to say it's you know off like an assembly line or anything like that, but he's certainly he's sticking with what's working for him. And, well, it's because I would actually say the the it's I actually think that someone brought this up in one of my film classes that like while citizen while Orson Welles of course gets you know. Uh, the credit he deserves for Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane is actually like three specific talents. And I kind of feel that way about the Fincher things where it's like social network is, it is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. It's of course David Fincher. And it's also Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I actually, Dragon Tattoo probably is the least of the three for me because, Oh yeah, easily. Because the, who, who wrote it? Who's there, is it? It's um, Frank. Uh, and, um, what, um, who, uh, I forgot, it. but but he is of the of these writers. I feel like he's not bad or anything, but I, I don't know if he really as Steve Zalian. There we go. Steve Zalian. Like, yes, yes, I knew it was an S. Steve Stevie Z. Yeah. I don't know if he necessarily brings his own half. Whereas you know Sorkin's dialogue is so Sorkin, yeah you can hear you know, it. So yeah. It's like oh well, that's the way his characters talk. You know so um and you wouldn't normally get that in a Fincher movie. And I guess I feel like yeah Zalian like. While he's obviously yes, he's a thoughtful, good uh, screen um, um, scripter. I just yeah, I mean of of these, like this is very much Gillian Flynn's kind of 
point of view and everything. So, but I think that gets, we don't talk about that enough. I, I do feel like while of course there are auteurs and Fincher is certainly one of them, there is something to be said about really working with knowing, you know, really working with other talented people. I agree. Yeah, I do. Cause I do think he's a very, I, I mean, he, he obviously, he has a distinct style and whatnot, but I think he does, he's very collaborative. I think that's very apparent in a lot of his films. Um, which just goes, which as you have been saying, it goes kind of overlooked. I would say, yeah, Dragon Dragon Tattoo doesn't necessarily highlight that, that as much as I think Gone Girl and the Social Network do, but I still think it's kind of there. I mean, between you know the the work that Reznor and Ross did on the on that on that soundtrack, and and it's more of a I guess more of an actor's movie. Uh, oh, that's hard to say too. Dragon Tattoo. It's such a, that's such a weird one to kind of highlight in Fincher's career because it feels like his most I compare it almost to like and I don't like this movie, but Alice in Wonderland from Tim Burton, where it feels like a stock Fincher film. Where like, of course, it's directed by David Fincher for Girl with Dragon. It's like it's, play, it's, play by numbers by it's David it's, Fincher. Except, yeah, except you can cool. except you can tell he, he's clearly trying. Like it's not no, like he is dry. Yeah, there's some style in there. Like yeah. that that horrifying rape scene was shot so stylized. Yeah, um, and the credit, the credit sequence. Like that, yeah, the credit yeah. yeah, that was like one of his music videos. Like it's yeah. <laughs> Well, wait, just Go curious. If we're, sounds like we're all fans of David Fincher. Oh, yeah. um, just curious, what is your least favorite? Is it Panic Room? And that's mine. Or, well, or Alien 3, I guess. But I almost don't want to count Alien 3. Well, see, yeah, yeah that's kind of, it's like, what after Alien 3? Because right. not, that's, not, that's not really his movie, because it was taken away from him, and, you know, things were done by studios and whatnot. And he, he doesn't like that movie. Like, it's not even on his, <laughs> like, when you see him list his filmography and, like, DVD credit stuff, it's not <laughs> it's on there. Not even it's like, no, I'm not even kidding. It's not on there. The fabulous Scott Mance made a good point when i was talking about gone girl with him yesterday um you know with regards to alien 3 he said the only reason that alien 3 is so everyone hates alien 3 so much is because it came after aliens that helps (laughs) yeah you know and and if you think and if you think about it it's essentially like alien all over again just one alien picking people off yeah you know, so it's it's not horrible, but it, it's certainly better than Alien Resurrection. Oh, I agree with that completely. Although Alien Resurrection has that weird quality where it's so bad it's good. Where I, yeah, I don't. I'm so not, I'm not I don't there. buy that. I'm not there with that movie. No, no, not, me neither. J- think, J- uh, neither is Joss Whedon, the screenwriter of Alien Resurrection. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, Joss, you poor poor soul. Wait, so would you guys? Okay, beyond Alien. Beyond Alien Three. Um, Panic Room. Yeah, or. Um, I don't know. I, I, I need I need to watch Zodiac again, but I would what? put it. Oh my god! Whoa. Zodiac's okay. one of my favorites. <laughs> Zodiac is on the we'll, bottom. We'll, we'll get we'll get to Zodiac in the feedback section, but uh, <laughs> um, I I don't know. I really like the game. Not a lot of people like that, course, but I love the game's great. I yeah. guess I game. guess I would say Panic Room in terms of kind of the quality of the films. It's just, but I watched I watch that more than I watch uh, Benjamin Button. Oh right, Benjamin Button. Good old Benji. Which which I do like a lot, but I, I just. It's not one where it's the only Fincher movie where I don't need to like watch it like a lot again. Really, I've only seen Panic Room once in the theater a billion years ago. I See, never I, watched it. It's like, just a, it's a fun like it's fun like Gone Girl to be like it not in the same ways, but I mean it's it's very entertaining. Like it's a fun movie to watch. Like it it it, it operates. It's a standard cat and mouse thriller, but Fincher's that's that's another one that's the epitome of Fincher's style where he has cameras like going through little like the stair railings and doorknobs and things like that to like show right. off this house. <laughs> Let alone Jared Leto has corn rolls in that movie, so I mean, which is is awesome. Wait, have, has Fincher ever written anything or no? Uh, I mean, he's he no, he's never been credited as a screenwriter on his films, but he's certainly very heavily involved in that process. I would put it that way. Who wrote like, Fight Club? Uh, script. Uh, Jim Jim Ools. Okay, all right. And I think it had some some tinkering by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven and wrote The Game as well. 
Foolsby. Andrew Kevin Rocker wrote the game. He he did some doctor. He didn't write. He didn't he didn't get um full credit. He got he did some doctoring on it. I feel like that guy's career didn't really go anywhere. I always feel like he kind of got lucky that he, he does a lot of behind the scenes. Like he did he did Sleepy Hollow, which I love for one thing. But uh, yes, he um he did he does a lot of behind the scenes like after the fact work, similar to like um what's his name um David Kep things people people that are like yeah, constantly like, like rewriting up, script yeah touch up people yeah he's he's one of those guys. Script Doctor. Script, yeah, yeah I, mm-hmm. I said Script Doctor from the start, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you, sorry. Yeah. I said it before. Um, okay, I think we've talked, I, I was going to do spoilers, I don't think there's much spoilers we need to get into. We, yeah. I think we're just good we, talking about this. We did this. a pretty good job. Yeah, without spoiling, I hope it, I don't think we spoiled anything. It, it, presuming that people didn't go see it Gone was Girl, the dog. listen to this, but yeah, it was a dog, sorry. <laughs> it's over. It was Emily Ratchikowski's boobs. But, yeah, uh, Boob, yes. the left one. Um, <laughs> the left. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to our rating for Gone Girl first. Um, and I'm going to ask you guys: When should people go see this movie? Sort of, Aaron. If, if just now, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. I mean, it's it's uh, the only movie like the only because I saw Whiplash the same day, like a few hours later. Would I say go see Whiplash faster? But it doesn't. It's not out yet, so go see it now. Peter. Oh yeah, I mean Whiplash is pretty great. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a. Uh, you know, I will say this. I left the theater and I was kind of like, I was like, it's really good, A minus, but I have to say, it's really stuck with me. Like, so that the, the little tinkering problems I have, like, you know, cause we didn't really discuss this that much, but, and again, it's not really a spoiler. And eh, the, I feel like the end's a little, it's a little like, a little flat or something. It's a little like, oh, okay, I guess that's the end. Um, In relation to the yeah. rest of the movie, it just, you're like, oh, that's it? Okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, but I would, yeah, no, of course, I, I definitely think you should see it, and um, yeah, absolutely, you know. So yeah, but it's uh, it's probably in my top ten right now. I'd have to look to see, but I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. So, Abe, go see it ahora in the theater. Yeah, oh, I agree. Yes, absolutely, I agree. Go go see it. I'm probably gonna see it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. This is funny. Uh, Scott Mendelson put, friend of the show, Scott Mendelson put a tweet up about this, but I'm going to probably go see this movie again with my girlfriend today. And he put it, Scott put out a tweet that says, if you, if you're worried about your relationship, if you go see Gone Girl, your relationship's not that strong. Which <laughs> I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, go see this movie. It's fantastic. Every, I mean, it's just, it's just really entertaining. People might be thinking they're getting to some really dark, twisted movie that's, you know, not going to drain, that's going to drain them. No, it's, it's, I, like it's like a, not it's a that two and a half hour comedy. <laughs> it's a dark yeah. comedy. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if I'd go that far. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. It's certainly a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot more fun than Annabelle. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so, oh well, yeah. That's... It's a laugh a minute. Unless you ride. like the horror Halloween horror laughs. No. Um. Okay. Let's move on. Let's get the movie callback. 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 This is where we bring up some movies that we might have thought of during or after the movie. Abe, do you have any callbacks? Yes. Prisoners, American Psycho, and Zoolander. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Boy. Aaron. Um. I don't, you know, I I don't know. I don't I don't think I was thinking of anything whilst watching. Um, it just kind of I just started thinking about other Fincher movies and That's how fair. he, yeah. yeah, afterwards. Peter, actually, I I kind of like The Prisoners. That's that's a good one. Um, uh, I mean, I, I said it before, Fight Club. I mean, it really feels a lot like, you know, if Fight if Fight Club was younger man David Fincher doing a movie that's kind of also satire a satire on culture. This is, I guess, more like, you know, married adult, uh, you know, uh, older version Fincher doing another satire on, like, culture. So, and, of course, because it's a two-person structure, which is also Fight Club. Oh, uh, yeah, I had uh, Silence of the Lambs, Side Effects, 
Um, Social Network came to mind. Fatal Attraction came to mind. And a Revolutionary oh, yeah. Road, actually. Fatal oh, Attraction, Road. that's right. I was thinking of Fatal Attraction for sure. Somebody I know, when we walked out of the screening, he, uh, he compared it to side effects. But he was actually the most negative on uh, Gone Girl, and he preferred side effects. And he actually, I like side effects, but um, I prefer Gone Girl. Uh, I think this one goes a couple steps further than yeah. side effects in a way that I really like, where I like side effects for what it is. But I think this one has... More shades to play with more effectively, I guess. Yeah, Forty nine extra shades. That that <laughs> twist that twist kinda the side effects twist was like what <laughs> 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 Alright, so let's move on. Let's get to our sponsor this week. Um, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can go to audibletrial.com slash out now podcast and download a free audiobook. There are over hundred fifty thousand titles to choose from. And I think we have a couple books to recommend this week. Uh, one is called Gone Girl. I think you've heard of it oh, by Gillian Flynn. Hello. It's a it's a mystery and more. Uh, was there another one, Abe, that we were thinking about? <laughs> Gone Baby Gone by Dennis Lehane. Yes, that is one, <laughs> which was adapted by director Ben Affleck, actually, which is a damn good. It's still his best movie, I would say, but that's me. Correct. Um, but yeah, those are just some of the many books you can find at audibletrial.com. So shout out now, podcast. You can download that book for any book for free. Um, and you get to keep that book. Even if you check out the service and don't like it, you can get rid of the service, but the book is still yours. So be a winner, read, or listen. AudibleTrial.com. So shout out podcast. All right, let's move on now to feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over some of the various answers and questions that we got on our Facebook page, Facebook.com. So shout out podcast. We asked a number of questions, and you listeners gave us responses, and so we're going to go over those right now. And Peter and, and Aaron, feel free to respond if you like to as well. Okay. Indeed. Yeah. So first question we asked is, what is your favorite David Fincher film? Jason writes seven, and I want to know what's in the box. It's actually a Jumbo Jack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> friend of the show, Jim Dietz, the voice, writes Zodiac. Adam writes Zodiac. Uh, Ryan writes Fight Club and the game. April I guess I need to watch Zodiac seven. again. Jeez. Yeah, you should check it out. It's actually really creepy. <laughs> uh, Zodiac, for the year it came out, I believe, next to There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men, it was on the most top ten list of that year. Yeah, Zodiac's amazing. It spooks me out because it's in my backyard. Um, Philip also writes Zodiac. Izzy writes Seven. Uh, Manish writes Zodiac and girl, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, friend of the show, Adam Gentry writes Seven. And Justin writes, so many, period. Fight Club has to be on the top. But Seven, Social Network, and the game are all pretty good. And finally, George writes, is all a choice? Because I feel like all should be a choice. And <laughs> he's probably right. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, I'm a Fight Club guy. That's, I mean, it's my default favorite movie. So it's like, yeah, obviously that's kind of my favorite. Fight Club's your favorite movie? Uh, it's on my rotating top five list of what I would say my favorite movie is. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, you know, as 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 a thoughtful, intelligent, uh, film loving dude, do you get annoyed by at least I had run into this? Is that like within the ten years after Fight Club had come out. The bro attitude towards it? Yeah, I kind of felt like there were a lot of guys that really mis misread that movie completely. <laughs> like, That's it, the wrong interpretation of that it, movie. So, Brand, friend, friend of the show, Brandon Peters, you recently did a, um, a a David Fincher retrospective on his blog, the Naptown Nerd, .blogspot.com, and he wrote about how Fight Club faded in his mind for a while because of that bro attitude and how it kind of brought down his opinions on the film. Then he rewatched it, and he was reminded completely about how good that movie is, regardless of what the kind of response from the average male would be to it and that yeah that's something that's it's never faded in my mind due to that response to it i always the book and i've mentioned this for the past couple weeks i think on this podcast actually the, i love the book as well um and I just, but in terms of like that film and we talked about this on our 150th episode where we talked about all our favorite movies 
it's just a movie that's just done so much for me in terms of how I appreciate films at the time that I saw it, which was 99, which was when I was kind of budding in terms of having an appreciation for film in various so ways Dr. beyond Dr. Just the Chronic like, came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, 2001, yo. And it, yeah, 2001. Yeah. And it's funny because I think Fight Club, it's my, fav- it's my favorite David Fincher movie. His best movie might be Zodiac in terms of what he's doing. It's, it's tricky. I mean, I think mm. that and Seven and Fight Club are kind of at the top in terms of him working at the top. Even even so, and podcast. Social Network as well. I just watched Zodiac this week, actually, by the way, and it's the Blu-ray is, is good? yes, and the Blu-ray is absolutely amazing. Like the, his his work in terms of like how that movie looks, it transfers incredibly well to Blu-ray. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Guess I gotta watch it then because I, yeah, when, I, might have when I saw it, it was, it was like nap time. I, no, I still I like it, well, but I mean I should watch it again just to I mean you know, take in all the artistry. Well, I mean I'll say this: like there was a, a woman that I worked with, um, and it was when Zodiac came out, and she was exp- and again I don't know I'm not saying that. Um, you're, we're expecting this, but she was basically, because the commercials were like, you know, from the director of seven, she was basically expecting Zodiac to be another hunt for a serial killer yeah. where that's not really, the movie's not about that. No, the it's, more, it's the movie's a, more about how obsessed a person can become about it's, something. It's the, all the president's men of serial killer. Movies. It is. And so, <laughs> so when you say, when you say the snoozy thing, it's like, I can kind of get that because it, it doesn't have, it's not what you might be of what you might have brought into it, thinking this is going to be kind of a fun procedural. And that's not what it is. I mean, but it's, I mean, it's like, the most stylish docudrama you'll ever see. It is, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but, I mean, I saw it years ago. I haven't seen it since. It's on my, it's at, towards the top of my Netflix DVD queue. So I'll give it a shot because I love Fincher. It, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, what year did that movie come out? 2007. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I was a senior in high school. I liked movies, but I wasn't, as okay with sitting and like absorbing a two hour and 45 minute, you know, slow moving film. Right, 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 right. I can see that. And uh, what's even crazier about that movie is you look at the behind the scenes stuff and the amount of green screen they use is ridiculous. Given the, what that movie is of just people walking down the streets and, and the location, yeah, exactly. locations, yeah. you wouldn't expect there to be so many CG shots, but there are a ton. It's really? crazy. Yeah. Zodiac? In Zodiac, yeah. There's scenes of like them holding giant blue screens behind Mark Ruffalo and the behind the scenes just to like make sure it looks exactly like the period. It's crazy. How Maybe I'm going to go get that on Blu-ray today after we're done with it's this. It's a fantastic it. Blu-ray. It's, it has everything you'd, it has beyond having a great movie it just it sounds great it looks great in the feet it has extensive behind the scenes which it's all david fincher movies have extensive behind the scenes stuff in there but it's 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 worth it i mean if if you already if you know if you like if you're a fincher fan yeah. you might as well pick up the blu-ray I, I am yeah so i will i'll i'm gonna go to best buy as soon as we're done and my goal is complete this podcast is over goodbye okay um let's move on to the next the mic. we were on out now feedback i believe feedback. um what actually uh, peter real quick what's your favorite fincher movie Really uh, I would say it was it was probably always going back and forth between seven and the game, but I have to say and the game really the game that high. I love the yeah, game. Yeah, I really yeah. like the game. Um, but I have to say honestly, now um, I feel like, and I, I hope these aren't fighting words because I do love. I, I of course you know I feel like Fincher has like two periods. He's got that kind of you know uh young guy period or whatever of like you know fight club seven and even the game even though it's about an older dude and then he's got pretty much post zodiac and honestly now i think my favorite is social network i really i mean that's because again it kind of goes back to what i was saying about the three prong thing where it's just like in sorkin's script is great the direction is great the score is great like the whole thing just works and i really liked how um i'm sure you guys have heard of facebook uh i really liked how (laughs) 
it to me the construction was very much like uh not necessarily just facebook but something in social media it's like you have this court case which is a docket of information and then you go to flashback which is like clicking on something and then you do this cool you know you expand on it and i was like wow that's a really great idea to kind of highlight how social media works so that's yeah worthy, I, I would say um, actually so yeah, I would say I would, agree. I would say um, social network, but I mean, of course, I mean, I love all that early stuff too. I mean, I've seen them so many times. I definitely see what you mean, though, and it's kind of this jump to digital, which is where his kind of periods separate themselves. Where yeah. it's like he's working on film, he's going all punk rock on Seven and Fight Club and in the game, even Panic Room to an extent. True. Um, and then like then he's you know he stops trying hard to wrestle studios and is more in this kind of prestige mode. Not necessarily a way that he's, you know, trying to get an Oscar, but he's still he's working in a different kind of system in these days of films while still being the very entertaining director that he's been known to be. There's a whole no. podcast here about Fincher we could be doing, by the way. Yeah, well, <laughs> have you seen um, profiles on the Schmoznos Network with uh, Manson Malone? I've, I've listened to it. I haven't listened to the Fincher one. but I've... Oh, yeah. No, it was it was good. It was great. They're, they're awesome. Yeah, everyone listen to that. Profiles on the Shmozno's Network with Scott Manson and Alicia Malone. That's a good plug. Let's move on to the next. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't want to short sight it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, we got show to do. Um, here's another question: What are some dark films that you find to be beautiful in terms of how they are made? Tammy has Drive, which is an excellent answer. Right. Justin has Box Trolls, Stay for the Credits, super cool effect <laughs> there. Uh, Jason has Twelve Years a Slave and Tusk. Um, Mike has The Descent and Alien come to mind. Oh, yeah. And Philip has Road to Perdition and Children of Men, which are maybe the best examples of that question. Yes. Yeah, Road wait, to wait, Perdition. Wait. So, wait, wait. You're saying it's beautiful, but... Like, they're what? dark. Like, they're films that contain dark, they're like, darkly folk, dark content, dark focus content. But oh, wait. Wouldn't the, wouldn't the ultimate be Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where it's, like, the whole thing feels very gritty and dirty, but obviously it is thoughtful? Do you mean like that? I no. think beautiful in terms of, like, the cinematography. And as much as I appreciate the cinematography in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's fantastic. There's some yeah. innovative ideas there. I wouldn't call it beautiful, necessarily. I'd, I'd, I'd throw, throw Boogie Nights in that list. Boogie Nights is a good example. Like, Road to Perdition is an amazing yeah. example. That's Conrad L. Hall, his last movie. He's... Dark movies are my favorite thing in the world. I could rattle this list off forever. City of God. Yeah. American History X. American Psycho. And all those kinds of movies are just so dark and American Bandstand. <laughs> American Pie. <laughs> uh, I thought we were just going with the A's. Apocalypse American now? Wedding, The Dark Days. <laughs> I, I'd throw in the gray. Um, oh, yeah, I just, okay, I got one that I think is really pretty, but kind of, in a weird way, kind of like the Gone Girl, where it's kind of playing up a, a tabloid equality. Uh, Spring Breakers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Spring Breakers is really beautifully shot. Sprang back. Yeah. Sprang back. <laughs> Sprang back forever. <laughs> that Britney Spears montage was That's one of the greatest montages I've ever seen. I three love little, that. Yeah. Fantastic. Three little girls. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on. Uh, Tyler Perry is one of the co-stars in Gone Girl and has been getting noticed for this performance. What actors have you enjoyed seeing playing against type? Jason writes Michael Keaton in Batman 1989. Uh, Adam writes Emma Watson in The Bling Ring and Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love. Nice answer. Yeah. Scott writes Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine. Uh, Harrison Ford in What Lies Beneath. I had an affair with her. <laughs> <laughs> I had an and affair with my wife. <laughs> with his wife? I didn't exactly. kill my wife. <laughs> I don't care. I'd like uh, a side of gravy. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> uh, Philip writes Tom Hanks in Road to Perdition. Will Ferrell yeah. in Stranger Than Fiction. 
and George Clooney in The Descendants. That's a good pick. I don't think about that one yeah. too much, but that's a good. Wait, how's is it George Clooney still George? I mean, it's a good movie, but how's oh. that? No, because George Clooney running around in flip flops is not nearly <laughs> as cool as him walking through Vegas. That's why. <laughs> that's why it's against type. He's playing dead. He's playing. He's not cool. He's not. Yeah, cool he's, he's playing lawyer dad with Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, he, he's running like the the least sexy thing George Clooney's ever done is run down the street in flip flops to, to confront Rob Hubel yeah. about his wife. <laughs> I will. I will also add in addition to Stranger Than Fiction, which people should see, um, Everything Must Go by, with Will Ferrell. I like that movie more than Stranger Than Fiction. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, if you want to see Will Ferrell actually acting, like he's a really good funny guy and he's also a really good dramatic actor. Uh, it's really good. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see um, Keaton and Birdman. Oh yeah, I'm seeing yes. next week. I'm I can't super wait. excited. Oh, when are you going? Are you going Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday. I'm going cool. Tuesday. I'll, I'll see you there. Awesome. Two o'clock. Yeah. Yep. Two. We'll all be there. High five, guys. <laughs> I guys... will be there. <laughs> Hashtag Los Angeles. <laughs> Hashtag Spoiled Critics. So wait. So would um just curious would Collateral count for Tom Cruise? I'd say yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only because not only because he's a villain. But that he that he actually uh, did not that he actually let himself have gray hair and there's a lot of things I think that play. All right, Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise in Tropic Thunder, boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, of course. I thought that, but I thought that's just a satirical. No, no Collateral is a good choice, I think. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You met um, Adam mentioned Adam Sandler punch your glove. As much as it is, I mean, the film itself is a, a departure from Adam Sandler movies. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, I wouldn't, I didn't, I would say it's playing against type. I think it's just looking at it from a couple degrees different. I think he's still playing, he's still playing battered man child that gets really loud and destructive. He's just playing it in a role that requires a different sort of look at that kind of character. Kind of the same thing as funny people. Like it's yeah, still for a sure. different angle. Yeah. Which is annoying because that movie, he's so good in that movie. Yet he's ended up making the movies that that movie was spoofing, which is terrible. You know, actually, you know, be an interesting one that is—it's all deliberate. But I mean, if you look at the performance Linda Hamilton gives in Terminator and then Terminator Two, those oh, are yeah. pretty different. Oh I mean, yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah they're quite different because she knows what the future holds now. It's got to be stronger. This was future, the future her mother like promised. I talked to somebody last night, and I, I crap you not, this person tried to tell me that Terminator 1 was better than Terminator 2. They're both great. I'm not saying that Terminator's bad, but I was like, are you kidding me? D2 Judgment Day is uh, I would fantastic. I, would, I think there's a there's plenty of arguments that, that make that logic work. Well, I, I think, think the big I, argument usually for for the original Terminator is that it's pretty... It's pretty revolutionary, and, yeah, and, and the budget yeah. and all that kind of thing. So I think that's. However, as a script, you can't yeah. deny Terminator Two being able to. Ter- I mean, actually, you care Term- about a robot. Well, also, is Terminator Two still one of the only sequels where they really flipped every like the, the you know the Terminator is now the good guy, the girls now that like that's a pretty clever idea. I mean, yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot of. Not a lot. I, I can't name any offhand that do similar things, but I don't think that's necessarily the most original device that Terminator 2 is working with. I think there's more going on that makes that movie better in the eyes of a lot of people. That said, I do think there's there's a lot of things about the first Terminator. I think Brandon Peters had this as one of his favorite movies on, on our 50, 150th episode, Abe, too. He talked about this, but I think there's I think there's a good argument to be made as to why the first Terminator is a better movie than Terminator 2. I don't necessarily agree with it, and I can't really, I don't really want to get into it well, right now, but I do think there's a lot there beyond just the idea that it was revolutionary for its time based on its budget. Well, I mean, also, I mean, I saw Terminator like, God, like seven times or something. Like, I saw, or sorry, not Terminator, Terminator, Terminator 2. 2. And it's very much more, you know, in, the, in keeping of, of what a great modern blockbuster is. I mean, Terminator yeah. 2 is so much better than. 
any of the Transformers movies yeah. and all that well, kind of stuff. It's better than most things. But I got it's say, better than the Descendants. I mean, it's, it's, I gotta it's say, a, Terminator, the first Terminator though, it's got a lot. It's gonna sound really weird talking about a robot movie, but it's got a lot of heart. It does. Yeah, 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 no, it yeah. I think there's a tighter heart. story too. But I mean, yeah, the, these are. I mean, this is a whole different podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> and you got to get off soon, Peter. So we gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's get, I, I had to trim down the questions because we had a lot of good questions, but we, uh, thank you guys. Thank you listeners for sending us questions. So we're just going to get to a few of these that apply to this week and one that's just fun to ask. Jason asks, what do you think of the rock being in a Baywatch movie? Um, best movie ever made. I sounds like fine it. to me. I like it. Especially cause it's supposed to be a comedy. Like it's not like a serious Baywatch movie and 22 given, jump street. Style. Yeah. Given, yeah. Given those 21 jump street yeah. movies, it makes perfect sense that that's happening. And The Rock being in it just makes me think, oh, The Rock's a funny guy. He's going to be in a funny movie. Okay. Anything that Dwayne Johnson does has my vote. I was one of the few people I know that really liked Snitch. I still get to see Snitch, but I want to because I like Dwayne. I like Wayne the Deicide and Rock Johnson. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Next, next question. question. What actor has not worked with the adventure who you would like to see appear in one of his films? I think we asked this a long time ago, and I said Paul Giamatti. That would be really good. Yeah. yeah. That's my answer, too. I mean, I would throw somebody, like, super random in there. Like, put Tom Cruise in a David Fincher movie and, you know, watch him go. I mean, especially after Edge of Tomorrow. Like, he, he the guy's got range. He can actually do things. <laughs> you know, like, that would be fun. Let's just put the countdown clock on when Michael Fassbender joins David Fincher in a movie. <laughs> well, yeah, that would be great, yeah, too. You put Fassbender or Tom Hardy. You put those guys in anything, they're going to kill it. Yeah. So, Philip asks, what comic book adaptation would you like to see David Fincher do, regardless if it's been done before or not? Um, he's wanted to do The Goon for a long time, but that's not going anywhere, it seems. Uh, no, it's not. I would have loved to see a David Fincher V for Vendetta. Ooh, that'd be neat. Oh. Trying to think of, yeah, let's see. Aquaman. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd let's be pretty see. dark. be green already. I'm trying to avoid, like... Fincher could have done a good Sin City, too. Trying to avoid supernatural. Yeah, I. Eh. Not that I don't like Sin City for its own, you know, style, but that. that I just because be I think too. that the, I think Miller's writing is so like Gonzo, it'd be hard for. <laughs> yeah, for, uh, no, you're you're right. Yeah, Fincher to really. Make I think it. I'm just thinking uh, visually speaking. Has Fincher ever, except for the fiasco, you know, of Alien, Alien 3, Three, has Fincher ever made a movie that is somewhat, I guess, yeah, franchisable, supernat- supernatural or science fiction or no, well, no, no. Just oh, just so oh, outside of the realm of reality in some yeah, way. Yeah. Like, uh, no, the closest he would have gotten is Benjamin Button since, you yeah. know, as oh, he was getting true. younger, yeah. they <laughs> were getting <laughs> older. I was thinking <laughs> if we were going to do it. Not. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's aging backwards. I guess. Dave, you were putting the ticking time bottle when I was going to say that in this podcast, David Fincher. Movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even like seven is heavily stylized because the city does not exist that they live in. I mean, it's LA, but it's always raining. So, I mean, it's like, there's no world that the city exists. Oh in. no. And obviously, and obviously the world of fight club. Obviously. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Of course. But I mean, I just think technically though, no, yeah, are... in terms of like genre. Yeah. He hasn't, besides alien three, he's not approached. And I mean, fantasy, I guess for Benjamin button, um, there hasn't been a film that he's kind of branched out, out of kind of a stylistic cynical you know world. Actually, you know what? I just thought of this and it's probably because the poster is right in front of me. If they ever did a movie version and of course video game movies are terrible, but, uh, if they ever did a movie version of Grand Theft Auto, he actually would probably oh, be yeah. a good choice because he, he would get the satire. 
Like, mm-hmm. and it's and it's a gritty city and all that stuff. Actually, that might not be bad. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, GM light. that. Relight that. <laughs> Get those rights, bro. I would say um, if he was to adapt uh, Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum, that graphic Ooh, novel, I think he'd, yeah. he'd probably crush that yeah, pretty well. I that. Yeah, that, I could see that I too. That. Just the, mm-hmm. I mean, but just look at the panels of that comic, and you could pretty much see Fincher in there. But any of those okay. like '80s Batman, like even Year One. I mean, I love the animated yeah. movie that they did of it, but like any of those, he could he could do very well. Interesting. I feel like almost. I mean, I I wasn't there, but I'm wondering if Fincher ever did get an offer to do Spider Man or X Men, and he clearly, I guess, he's gone down the road of, I guess, the and he hasn't gone down the YA route, YA routes, like so he didn't do Hunger Games, but Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl are both very popular books, so he is still kind of adapting very popular material i think it comes from him because he's a producer on these films as well now whereas if he took on one like a spider-man movie he'd be under studio control which mm-hmm. based off of alien 3 he never wants that to happen again even in like benjamin button and zodiac he had to like they're you know he was fighting with them about trimming and fight club for that like all like a lot of his movies he's had to fight about how to portray these movies in their advertising campaign and all things like that i mean it's it's uh it's been a tricky road for him as far as getting final say on his movies. Now he's at that point where he can because he's had you know two best director nominations, let alone his movies have been critically acclaimed. So I mean, it's he's in a higher position of power. But if he did like a superhero movie, I'd imagine there'd be a lot more cooks in the kitchen. He just doesn't want to be a part of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. Well, Peter, it looks like we don't have time for you to participate in our games today, which is unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah. Wait for what? Um, unless you want to stick around for like a couple more minutes. For, so yeah. But uh, we we got to get to our we got to get to some more stuff in the show. But I know it's a little run a little yeah, late for you. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of your time. I Not should sure. go, darn it. Uh, but I, this was really fun though. Like uh, I'd love to do it again for sure, man. Where for can people sure. find more of your work online? Oh, uh, well, for video games, it's like uh, I just started writing for Crave, but I also write for Topless Robot. And then movies right now, uh, my back my back catalog is probably E Online, but right now my current reviews are are uh, very aware. Which is uh, the site run by a friend of the show, Courtney Howard, as well. Yes, who's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, and you're also on Twitter, right? I am uh, Pajamo, but I mean, or just Peter <laughs> Paris, P A R A S. But yes. Cool. All right, Peter. Well, thank you very Peter, much for joining you. us. Yeah. No, who? Wait. So who? Aaron. Who am I seeing at Birdman besides you? Uh, both, both. You're seeing both, both, both Aaron's. Yeah. Whoa. Both. Both yeah. black Jewish Aaron's will be there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand next to him so you can kind of tell which one's which. <laughs> Just in case everyone doesn't know who's listening, I'm white. That's the joke. <laughs> That's the joke. All right. Yeah. Well, it was great talking to you guys, and uh, I'll see you guys Tuesday. Very cool. Thanks, Peter. Bye, bye, guys. Adios. Okay, now that that slob's out of the way, let's get now. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on now. Uh, what what time is it, Abe? Oh, Aaron, I think it might be time for some games. DM. <laughs> Gone Girl. I don't know. Where to go? More movie themes should have. I love happen. the tie-in. More, love more the movie tie-in. themes should just be like a, a series of notes that just say the screen title. See, we're gonna start doing that. That's <laughs> great part. Iron Man three. Like what? Like what is that movie? And then we have to do all the call and stuff too. <laughs> have you guys seen Rick and Morty? Sorry, random segue. I have, have you... not actually. I go watch the Dan, it. It's the Dan Harmon's. Uh, yes, part. I won't spoil it for you, but there's 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 like you know silly like catchphrase kind of things at the end that that are very self-referential something cool yeah yeah pretty much do you have a game for us i do so this week we're playing cast members top seven 
meaning I'm going to choose a movie that has the word gone or girl in it. Okay. I'm going to read this top seven build cast members. From the, we have to pick another one? From the one? bottom to the top. You're going to start from the bottom? Yes, and go and... to the most widely known. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, if you know the answer before uh, I finish the top seven, uh, feel free to buzz in with your name and say the answer. Oh, this will be very movie? easy because we're both named Aaron, so we can buzz in. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna go with uh, Fink and New Earth. Okay. Can we do a, wait, can we do like a test round just so I, I, I get further clarification? Sure, yeah. So let okay. me uh, let me pull up a, a sample film here. Carrie Fisher, Gwendolyn Christie, Star Donald... Wars Episode Seven. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. There you go. But, so it, then, but, you know, but then the, you say yeah. New Earth and then buzz it. Yeah, sorry, I didn't. So, but whatever you pick is gonna have Gone or Girl in it. Yeah, the title of the film. Okay, gotcha. Here we go. Here we go. First one. Ray Bakhtinsia, <laughs> Griffin Dunn, oh, Richard get... Masur, Anna Chlumsky. Ooh, ooh. Uh, oh, oh, Aaron. 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 Newworth. 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 <laughs> Damn it. My Newark? girl? Yeah. My girl is correct. Yeah. Okay, I was worried it would be my girl, too. <laughs> <laughs> my girl, too. Even girlier. Even girlier. <laughs> Here we go. Next one. James Duvall. Scott Kahn, William Lee Scott, T.J. Cross, Angelina Jolie, Giovanni Ribisi, Aaron, the New Earth, <laughs> gone in sixty seconds. That is correct. Oh yeah, shoot, I'm gonna lose this one. This is good. this is not gonna be a good game for Fink. It, that that you, James no, Duvall still, one still that like... was like, wait, Donnie Darko or Independence Day? It's like those aren't working. I know a lot of James Duvall rules. You'll get it. There's still seven left. <laughs> okay. All right, next one. Timothy Bottoms, Paul Dano, Chris Marquette, James Remar, Timothy Oliphant. New Earth. New Earth. The Girl Next Door. That is correct. Oh, shoot. I'm going to – this is this, not going to – Yeah, well. well, I mean, the odds could still be in your favor. The odds will never, <laughs> ever be in my favor. <laughs> Here we go. Next one. Amy Madigan, Amy Ryan – John Ashton. New Earth. New Earth. Gone, baby, gone? That is correct. I'm crushing this. Yeah, All right. You have to sweep the next... You have to sweep the rest the of them, Fink. This is Fink's last time on the show. I'm sorry. sorry. Oh, my God. No, see, well, like, if this game was turned around, like, if it was, like, name seven people in a movie, I could do that. <laughs> my no. brain doesn't work this way, man. Don't worry. You just need to get the next five correct, and you'll win. No pressure. Okay. All right. Here we go. Jeffrey Tambor, Jared Leto, Elizabeth Moss, Brittany Murphy, oh, Clea Duvall. Oh my God. Angelina Jolie. Oh. Oh, oh, a Fink. Fink. <laughs> Girl interrupted. That's yes! <laughs> I couldn't think of the title. I was like, there's a comma. I couldn't think of what the movie was. <laughs> Girl, comma. If we were going for the way that we usually play, Aaron, I would have said. You know, you got to clarify where the comment is. <laughs> All right. Next one. Fink, you're, you you got to escape the next four. You're, you're right. golden. Yeah. All right. Bill Nunn, J.O. Sanders, Tony Goldwyn, Alex MacArthur, Carrie Ells, oh. Ashley Judd. Hey, Newworth. Newworth. Kiss the girls. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Carrie L was pulled. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone's also there for that Carrie L's. Next one. Barbara O'Neill, Thomas Mitchell, 
Hattie McDaniel, <laughs> okay. Olivia de Havilland. New word. New word. Uh, God with the wind. That is correct. <laughs> Why did you laugh at the Hattie McDaniel? Because I because re- I just realized you jumped back like seven decades to go for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't that many uh, <laughs> Gone movies. All right, two more. Joanna Scalon, S.C. Davis, Killian Murphy, Judy Parfit, Tom Wilkinson, oh. Scarlett Johansson, oh. Colin Firth. Uh, hmm. It's a painting. Um, Aaron Newworth. Aaron. The girl with the pearl earring? That's correct. Oh, yeah, yeah. Last one. Last one. Horrible. My one's gonna be girl interrupted. Terrible. <laughs> Don't worry, Winona. Not bad. Jorik von Wagengigen. Oh, the great Jorik von Wagengigen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Wright. Oh, uh, Fink. Fink. Girl with the dragon tattoo. That is correct. <laughs> Yay! Oh, I knew was it was like coming. With girl interrupted anymore. That was that was Carl Wagengigen's great. That was his best <laughs> Did you even say that right? Gerber to get her in a I nailed it. What are you talking about? You'll hear it on the replay. You'll hear it. <laughs> no, don't say don't Aaron, anybody listen to that twice. Okay, go on. You have, uh, Aaron Newworth, you have won the game this week. Oh, yay. By smashing 7-2. Oh, I usually win these games, too. That was a tough one for me. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. I'm going to go cry and buy Zodiac. It was a good game, Aaron. <laughs> it was. It was. That was a very good game. It honestly is not how my brain works. I like... I play the movie game where it's like you name an actor or a movie, and then you have to name a movie or an actor, yeah. and you know keep going. I could play that game all day Jones long. Coming up, actually, there's a board game called Cinelinks that I had. Uh, I was on Kickstarter for, and it's coming. It's being shipped to my house right now. That's that very game, just in cool version, which I'm excited to play. Board games. I'll bring it over next time I hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on now. Let's get to Out Now presents what's out now. These are new movies coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week, and we got a lot of things. Uh, first up is Edge of Tomorrow, which I think we yes, all agree is awesome. Go see it. it is. It's so good. I just reviewed the Blu-ray. Actually, I think it's called that. Live. Direct. Live. <laughs> yeah, they it's, changed. You it. know, they really go for it too. Like on the when I put it in my PlayStation, I had the Blu-ray to review. I put it in my PlayStation. It said Live Die Repeat slash Edge of Tomorrow. Really? The, the wow. menus all like they didn't change it in the movie. And he, but like the box like says it in giant letters. All says Edge of Tomorrow in like little letters. It's like wow, they really really want to yeah. play up a certain title of this movie. They just don't know what to do with that. They should just let all all you need. Everyone to see. should just go see it though. Regardless yeah, it's great. Movie. Yeah, regardless of the name, regardless of how it did at the box office, just see this movie. It's great. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> really it's just fun. I'm yeah. I'm. I mean, this is gonna be I think like a case study in film history classes in like 20 years of how to not market a movie. Because they just did it completely wrong, and that's the only reason it didn't make a ton of money, because everybody who's seen it liked it. Yeah. Agreed. It's a shame. Um, next up is A Million Ways to Die in the West. This is the uh-huh. Harlan that's Western comedy. That's my number nine movie of the, of the summer. Yeah, you, pick, you, pick, you picked I that picked in, the, in, the, in the box office challenge we had. That was another one you picked as potentially being a huge hit, which it wasn't. Yeah. Um, the same can be said for Million Dollar Arm also comes out this week. <laughs> when it means Dark Horse picks. Dark Horse. He thought he thought that had a potential to make a ton of money. John Ham's million dollar arm. South Asia, let me down. Old ham bone. <laughs> <laughs> also coming out, actually, Peter mentioned Jenny Slate earlier. Obvious Child comes out this week on Blu-ray. Yeah, that movie is great. I like that movie. It's a nice one. Uh, Rick and Morty season one comes out this week. Woo woo, wobble up a dub dub. Wobble up a dub dub. You guys don't get it because you haven't seen it, but it's funny. 
Watch it, everybody, seriously. Sharknado 2, the second yeah. one, comes out on Blu-ray this week. I have yes. this. You know what? It, it's a bet. It's a good sequel for what it is. It doesn't just repeat the same thing, which I was... In, I, That's I, good, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sleeping Beauty Diamond Edition comes out on Blu-ray this week. Diamond Edition? Yeah, that means it's also like 3D, and there's... Actually, I think there's less features than the original Blu-ray, yeah. according to Brandon Peters' Weiss of Blue review of it. Um, American Horror Story Coven comes out on Blu-ray this week in anticipation of American Horror Story Freak Show, which appears on TV this week. Um, Adventure Time, the fourth season, comes out, which <laughs> I know lots of people that love I've never seen it, but I know people love it. It's, it's a fun show. They're I, like 11-minute segments. And I it's think it's silly. I think it's one of like the... It has like the highest number of episodes for like a cable animated, like an original cable animated oh, series, wow. aside from like Scooby-Doo, I think, actually. Um, and Bates Motel Season 2 comes out this week. Uh, also, Houdini. Houdini, the History Channel movie, Houdini, uh, like the two-part movie Houdini with Adrian Brody, which with, is... Uh, yeah, with Academy Award winner Adrian, Adrian Brody. Brody. You know what? It's not terrible. Like, it's it's for a History Channel movie... I say that... I mean, I said that the wrong way, because it's, it's actually pretty fun. Like, it's it's like the Sherlock Holmes of Houdini movies, which is weird, but fun in a way. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. Not terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Um, and so, yeah, that's that. Let's talk about next week's show. Next week, we're going to talk about the, the judge. Here comes the judge. The judge. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., Robert Duvall, and a bunch of other people that are saying, hey, look at Robert Downey Jr. He made a movie that's not a superhero, and so he needs an Oscar nomination, I guess. That's <laughs> what I'm coming at it with it now, but when I see it, I'll find out for sure if it's actually good or not. Um, but that's the movie we're going to talk about next week, unless Abe really wants to go to bat for Dracula Untold. No, I think you're <laughs> higher on that than I am. I am, but I'm not expecting greatness, but I am seeing it this week, so it'll be in the quickies, that's for sure. I mean, we do want Luke Evans to get more work. Yes. So yeah, um, with all that out of the way, only one more question before we take off here. What should people go see now? What should people see in theaters right now? You should go out and watch, uh, again, I'm going to say Skeleton Twins. Oh, yeah. You know what? I don't. I see the problem. Not not to be a snob, but the problem with being a film critic is I don't know what's out right now. So give me give me Ina Minutin bitte while I look at uh, <laughs> the the box office. Um, this is actually voting well for our German listeners. So this is great. <laughs> you know, I think I'm gonna say, I think I'm gonna say Gone Girl. Yeah, go see it's not Gone a bad Girl. Pick at all? Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, everything else, everything else. You know, there's some good stuff, but that that's. That should take your attention. And then on the 10th, go see Whiplash. Um, I would say The Guest if it was in more theaters, but I will say Box Trolls for now, and I'll say Not Annabelle Ever. I think that's a good answer for this question. Um, And, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. So you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for my Blu-ray reviews. You can also find me on Twitter, at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag finally getting through Breaking Bad. It's a long hashtag. <laughs> Aaron Fink. Yes, sir. Uh, you can see me on the TV um, on PBS around the country, uh, KLCS in Los Angeles. Uh, also, all Just Seen It clips and episodes and reviews are on hulu.com slash Just Seen It. My Twitter is at Aaron Evan Fink. And uh, I'm not cool. I don't have a blog, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> eh. <laughs> no worries. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now, Theron and Abe on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as at hhwlody.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show, along with other fun shows about comics and games and fun stuff like that. 
You can also find our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. We do have a contest, which I announced at the beginning of the show, all your favorite horror movies from each decade. Um, you know, one from each decade. Uh, you can possibly win a contest uh, or just, you know, send us your thoughts on Gone Girl. You can also interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, there's the Tumblr page, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Follow us there or or and you can uh, send us a voicemail, 972-798-3830. You can let us know some audible thoughts on the uh, <laughs> on, on the show, ask us a question or something. We might be able to play it and we might be able to answer your question or whatever you might have to say. And, uh, yeah, uh, thanks again to Peter, who was on earlier, for joining thanks, us. And thank you, Aaron, for sticking with us. You are welcome. Always a pleasure. For sure. And I think that's going to do it. So until next time when we talk about The Judge, so long. And goodbye. She may be the face I can't forget A trace of pleasure or regret May be my treasure or the price I have to pay She may be the song that summer sings May be the chill that autumn brings May be a hundred different things Within the measure of a day I mean, if you look at the performance Linda Hamilton gives in Terminator and then Terminator 2, those oh, are yeah. pretty different. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah they're quite different. Because she knows what the future holds now. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be stronger.